Welcome to Dyslexics Wanted, a podcast celebrating the unique strengths and creativity so often the hallmark of people with dyslexia. I'm Jordan Rich, and we invite you to learn more at the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia's website, WICD.org. There you'll find the latest info about a film we're producing called Decoders, cutting-edge documentary that objectively and fearlessly explores fundamental questions about how we learn. To support the making of this film, find out more at WICD.org. Today's guest is Matt Bohms. Matt is the founder and chief innovation officer for Summit Street Medical, promoting user-driven innovation of life-saving medical products. And currently, they're in the middle of unveiling a new delivery system for epinephrine, destined to help millions who suffer with food allergies. Matt has accomplished a lot in his young life, and he's here to talk with me about the impact of his dyslexia. Delightful to have you on our podcast, and uh, boy... When people find out that you've dealt with something like this, it's almost a shock to the system to people because you are so successful and so together, but I guess you've had to to deal with something that's pretty challenging. Yeah, that's right. So I grew up with minor dyslexia, really had a difficult time reading and developing reading skills. And even still to this day, not the ultimate reader out there, but I'm always working on those skills and trying to invest as much time I can to advance. Now, you said minor dyslexia. Did they actually call it that? I don't know what I don't know what it was. Okay. I was never I never went really too in depth with professionals or anything. But well, let let's go back in time. Sure. If you know, you're not that old, so you can do that. I yeah, have yeah. trouble going back that far. <laughs> let's let's go back and talk about uh, your early school years. When was it actually uh, told to you that you had this? Actually, probably not until I was a lot older and like later in high school. Really, my dad had dyslexia too. I sort of just struggled with reading in general. Did teachers say, well, Matt's a nice boy, but he's not paying attention. He's not grasping. Do you it was really, I think it was really the level of my reading capability. Okay. So I was always a few grades behind on that. Okay. And so I was always in a reading class during, uh, while other kids were in whatever, like if there was set reading class uh, mm-hmm. or reading time in a class and everybody read individually, mm-hmm. I would go to a special class with a teacher and a few other of my friends and we'd have a reading so, class. So one has to assume that the school knew you had an issue. The schools knew you had an issue yes. and they were trying to compensate. But dyslexia, you say your dad had it. When you're a kid, it doesn't mean anything until it's defined, but that's kind of a tough way to go through school, isn't it? I'd never enjoyed reading because it was so difficult. I always hated, you know, investing time to practice it because I don't think I was given much support or uh, encouragement mm-hmm. to overcome it or understanding of what it was. Mm-hmm. So I, I really never enjoyed it and always found I didn't work too hard to. And yet we've talked about your success currently and all the achievements, including academics, you you managed to overcome. So we'll get to that sure. point in your story. but. I'm kind of interested in how it affected your social life, if at all, or how it affected just the classroom experience for you. I mean, I never enjoyed reading out loud in, in classes. That was always a fear of mine. Mm. That was a, a big issue. Is I, uh, Reading out loud and information retention was a re- big issue for me. So if I read out to the class. And then after I read, the teacher asked, you know, okay, so what do you, what did that mean? Or what was, uh, what was, what do you think about that? I was completely lost. It was sort of a disconnect between like feeling on stage, but not uh, connecting yeah. with myself. People listening might think, well, well, yeah, occasionally I'm in that zone where I'm not paying attention, but this is what's going on in school every day for you at that point when yeah. it comes to reading. Did it affect the way you either spoke to others or wrote in school? 
No, I've always actually been a really talented writer, Okay, which again, with my college experience, I can explain a little bit about that. It's funny, I ended up majoring in Trinity at uh, Trinity College in American Studies, which is very reading intense. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I know Trinity, by the way. My son went to Connecticut College, oh, yeah, sure. Connecticut School Sorry. right around the corner. Yeah. So that required a huge... So how did you make the transition then? It stems from just a passion for curiosity and, and always improving my just different skills and always being around people that are more intelligent or... Uh, better at certain things. I think a lot of people are haters or they push people down for being better, but I think it's really important to admire the people that are better than you and see what you can learn from them. So, Well, I think that's an admirable skill set. You know your limitations, but you're gravitating to mm-hmm. people and opportunities. And here's a question that comes up a lot with this podcast when the guests arrive, and that is other things that you ended up doing when you were younger, before college, that you shone at, proving that it's not a character flaw at all to be dyslexic, but w- what other aspects? of school life, whether it's athletics yep. or art or music, anything at all that yeah, you Yeah, all those things. Uh, art, I was I'm always very artistically talented. Like anytime there was an opportunity to express creativity with art in a school project, that was the easiest project for me. And it was always an easy A. I didn't spend too much time focusing on it. I was always just sort of talented with art and geometry too is always a, which mm. again, I think correlates with art and just, I think relationship building and uh, interpersonal skills, I think are something too that stemmed from that. I mentioned athletics only because I'm looking at you and you look like you could <laughs> star quarterback any team or or at least uh, be a center basketball player. Do you have any athletic experience? Yeah. So I played college lacrosse, high school and college lacrosse ah. at Quinnipiac University my freshman year of college and understanding the trajectory of my uh, academic career. It was always in high school. I never really had the best grades on paper to get into top schools. Always obviously wanted to challenge myself and was particularly talented at lacrosse. It came naturally to me. I only started in freshman year of high school, but again, was just a bigger kid and somebody gave me a long stick and said to go hit some people. So I had fun doing (laughs) it. (laughs) Well, I was going to ask you about the college application process and you're kind of answering it for me. You used the other skills to help propel you along because that can be a grueling for anybody, a grueling process, just filling out applications and essays and and what have you read and list the books. I mean, that could be a when I had graduated high school, I didn't get offers that I had really wanted to or anything I was super passionate about in college. So I went to Quinnipiac University and actually walked onto the lacrosse team there. Sort of always had the plan of using that. Uh, I was basically debating between taking a postgraduate year after high school or going to a certain school such as Quinnipiac and then transferring somewhere mm-hmm. else. I went to Quinnipiac modeling that as a postgraduate year, planning to transfer and, and basically did as well as I could on with academics and and. I think Trinity definitely was, you know, impressed. It's it's great that you have bad grades or beforehand. It's great to fail and mess up because, you know, you're at rock bottom or you, it's easy to uh, show progression. Right. So that's what I did. I, I sort of snuck in the back door at Trinity by transferring from doing well at Quinnipiac mm. and then transferring into Trinity. So it was an easier process. You can tell I'm taking this in sort of a chronological step process mm-hmm. to get to where you are today. And we want to talk about the work you're doing, which sure. is not only... Uh, enterprising, but helping a lot of people and bound to help millions of people. You mentioned the reading in American studies. I mean, you're going from, I really don't want to do much reading to all of a sudden you've got books and papers and all kinds of stuff. How did you make that American studies and philosophy. So I actually was always interested in business. I was always very entrepreneurially minded and passionate about just creating new things. And so I was enrolled in business school at Quinnipiac, but when I transferred to Trinity, it was all liberal arts focused and they didn't have a, a structured business course, which is 
just typical of a liberal arts school, but they had economics, which sort of shied away from just because I am not talented with numbers and math. And that was sort of the only typical business route. When I got there, I sort of evaluate, okay, I have a certain amount of requirements for, for classes. So why don't I just take a bunch of different courses from different majors, sort of figure out what I like and where I uh, mm. succeed. And so over the course of my first year as a sophomore, I had, I remember a total of 14 tests across different classes and a total of 14 papers across different classes as well. And the papers were written just different form of delivery of, mm. of, of knowledge or whatever. And so I actually had 14 A solid A's on my papers. I didn't get higher than a, a 70% on any test. That's very telling, isn't it? Yeah. The, the way you express the knowledge you have and the way you convey it, it's just a it's just a pathway to getting to the final uh, finish line. Right. And yet, if and it's changing, but if if people are looking at somebody on paper, say this guy can't answer a simple question without screwing up, but yet you can present it so beautifully. Mm-hmm. I think that's the 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 theme of what we're trying to do here is focus on the the positives. It's not easy to go through your life so far with reading stumbles, but at the same time, you're you're compensating. So let's talk about the entrepreneurial sure. spirit and where you are today. And I mentioned in the introduction the, the company you've founded and what its aim is. It's one thing to be in business. It's another thing to think about helping the world. Where does this come from? Where does this sense of... Well, it strives from a, a personal affliction with food allergies and personal frustrations that have uh, come out of living with that life-threatening disease. And so mm-hmm. I think what's been super valuable for me is I started out, I've always had a passion for pursuing this this industry and these ideas that I've had over the years. The more and more people that I introduce it to, you know, it's, it's such a special moment when you know you spend so long working on something and you share it with somebody who is a potential customer and they are just overjoyed or mm. really excited about it. And so that's what gives us the motivation to keep moving forward. And I think What's really been eye-opening is is doing focus groups and, and hearing so many different uh, stories from people who live such different lifestyles and, and therefore have such different issues and unmet needs that mm-hmm. I never even thought about. So, for example, you know, a 14-year-old girl has completely different unmet needs from a social aspect and social stigma stand, uh, standpoint with food allergies. It's just been fun to sort of see how, how much bigger the opportunity is. And in a, is. in a way, having dyslexia or a learning disability, which may not be life-threatening, obviously, but it, it prepares you to do the kind of work you're doing because you understand what certain people are dealing with because right. you deal with right. – well, you deal with allergies too, but you've dealt with dyslexia. I think so interesting with dyslexia, and I've read with different people who struggle from it and high-profile uh, other people who are mm. successful. And really, it's just the way that I think my brain has always worked. I've always been more – relationship oriented and talented at interpersonal skills. And I was watching a podcast recently and I was with Barry Sternlich and talking about the two types of people he hires or what he calls them. One are, are box heads and one are spaghetti heads. And the box heads are the people who are so number oriented and, you know, really good at finance and economics. And there's computers to do those types of those jobs. And there's the the spaghetti heads that are much more intermingled in their, the way that they connect different problem solved by connecting different mm-hmm. uh, points. I think that's really something that stems back from that creative mindset and that ability to sort of, I just love finding solutions to new things. Anytime there's a problem, there's remember always that. a solution. Box heads and spaghetti heads, yeah. I like that. I have one more question for yeah, you, sure. and, and you don't have to go into great detail. You can just give us an example. But what <laughs> do you do now, and what technical aids or what I'm going to say tricks, but what devices in your in your day-to-day life help you 
deal with challenging things that you have to read that might still give you trouble. Do you, mm -hmm. do you have a particular... I don't have a particular thing. I, I definitely, I think it's the method through which I study or learn or sort of take notes and stuff. I think I'm always, uh, I think being an effective note taker and then reviewing mm -hmm. notes and, and always coming back to uh, stuff. And especially in business, you know, running a startup company, my co-founder and I, felt some, it's easy to feel overwhelmed at times and sort of lose focus or lose, uh, feel like you, you sort of have nothing almost. So there's, there's days that you feel like you have absolutely everything. And then other days, and if you just sort of go back and review notes from a few weeks ago or something, you, you know, there's just, <laughs> it's like it's why people journal for yeah, that reason, right. but so, you're doing it for professional reasons right. too. That, so I think engaging right. in just different and always, uh, being passionate about learning sort of, uh, different methods of communication is something that, uh, I encourage and, well, your story is inspiring on many levels, obviously, for the, the audiences you're appealing to. But for our audience, we can't thank you enough and wish you tons of success with what should be a very worthwhile venture. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. My thanks to Matt Bohm's founder and chief innovation officer for Summit Street Medical. And thank you for listening to Dyslexics Wanted. Feel free to contact us here at the website, WICD.org. There you'll learn more about how you can support the documentary film Decoders, currently in production. We welcome guest or topic suggestions. Dyslexics Wanted is a production of the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia.